Hello, I'm Chris Biddle and welcome to episode 98 of Inside AgriTurf. Now the lifeblood of any industry is the new talent that it can attract to meet the challenges of an ever-changing business climate. And that is particularly true of an industry such as land-based engineering supplying and supporting machinery and equipment used in farming and food production, turf care machinery for sports facilities and open spaces, forestry and much more. An industry that leads the way in new technology with the use of robots, drones, guidance systems, new fuels, remote sensing systems and a whole lot more. So where will the new talent come from for? land-based engineering, an industry title that can prompt some blank stares. Now, Today I'm joined by Ken Smythe, the General Service Manager for Ernest Doe Limited, a long-established dealership operating 19 branches from Norfolk to Kent and now in the hands of the fifth generation of the Doe family. I want to talk to Ken about how he unearths the new generation who will be the future for the company and particularly its successful apprenticeship programme. But first, I wanted to know how Ken, himself a former apprentice, worked his way up through the industry to his current role. So Ken, welcome. Uh, Tell me, did you choose the agricultural machinery business as a career, or or did it choose you? It kind of chose me, really. I was kind of born with it, in a way. Um, not, Not from a farming background as such, but my great-grandpa and my great-grandpa, they were uh, agricultural contractors. Um, I've got pictures of my great-grandpa with a steam engine and threshing mill back in the day, and uh, my grandpa, he kind of carried it on. Unfortunately, he died when I was, he was only, I was only a week old when, when he died, and my uncle was in the business, but he decided to carry on with the construction side, but we lived we lived out in the country. Um, on one side of the house, we had uh, some uh, we had friends that had tomato houses, and they were doing hydroponics and kind of market garden uh, produce. So, on a small scale, there'd be turnips and potatoes and cabbage and all these sorts of things. I, I remember at the age of four or five standing around the tomato <laughs> sorting machine putting tomatoes into boxes. <laughs> <laughs> and so what was the first job then, Ken? Uh, first first job, well, I, I worked on a local farm from the age of nine, really helping out, but I would be there in the summer. But my first proper job after leaving school, uh, I worked on a farm just outside Edinburgh, and I was I was there milking cows and doing everything else, feeding calves, bedding. We had a thousand lamb and ewes. We had beef cattle, dairy, and all the other stuff that goes with it. So my dad used to drop me off on a Sunday night. He used to pick me up on a Thursday because I couldn't. I didn't drive at the time. I had my tractor license, but not a car license. <laughs> got your priorities right then. Yes, yeah, yeah, got got that first. And then because it was so far away, I moved to a local farm closer to home. But during during that time, the story leading up to that was I wanted to do my apprenticeship or agricultural engineering. And at the time it was uh, a YTS scheme. 
And I didn't really fancy that part-time thing and getting paid £29 a week. Uh, the tutor at the college when I went to see them when I was, I think I was 15, um, he suggested go and get some experience for a couple of years and then come to college when you're a bit older, closer to 18. And he said, you'll be able to enjoy yourself more, an exclamation mark, and you know, you'll be a bit more uh, worldly-wise by that point. So while I was working, I saved up, paid for my college course myself, um, at that point, I had a car and went off to college, did a full-time course at Oak Ridge College in Edinburgh. So that was a full-time course there. I did that and then got an apprenticeship with a company called uh, Hamilton Brothers in Glasgow. So I did my apprenticeship there. I was there in total of uh, seven years. And a friend of mine was involved in Eastern Europe and Russia. And I, kind of through him, I... Got a job in Bulgaria. Um, we're running, <clears throat> working in a workshop on a big farm, 26,000 acres on the Bulgaria Romanian border. And I stayed there for what, nearly two years, fixing the machinery, training local people, setting up a part system. Uh, that was just a contract, came to an end, job done. I came back to the UK and got a job with Renault Tractors in Warwickshire. I joined, uh, joined Renault. And so I was there for three years before the class high up happened. Um, so I did move to class at Bury St Edmunds, but all my friends and everybody were in Warwickshire. An opportunity came up at the Massey Ferguson Training Centre. And uh, I took that and then I was with IGCO. Um, what was that? That was nine years, I think I was with IGCO. So I started in training. I ended up um, and uh, Massey Ferguson Challenger Marketing side, um, and then ended up Valtra Product Specialist. Um, various for various reasons, um, had to. Uh, they they were moving all the marketing for the Massey Ferguson out of the UK back to the factories of Bombay. Um, I was asked if I wanted to go. Didn't really want to go to France. They made redundant essentially, but. Um, Picked up a job with uh, Deutsch Tractors or SDF UK as the Scottish area sales manager. And that was covering everything from the A66 to Orkney. So uh, I did that for three years, thoroughly enjoyed it. I uh, had a great time. Um, and then Eric Gardner of Hamilton Brothers. Uh, I can't quite remember the path, but got chatting to him one day and he said there was a service manager's job back at um, Bishopton, and they just built a new workshop at the time. The company was going from strength to strength, and um, ended up there as service manager. And then when they took over the uh, the G Ricky Group, I became the group service manager. So I went back to Hamilton Brothers. So I did seven years the first time and seven years the second time. Uh, yeah, I got a job out the blue about this job at Ernest Doe, the uh, general service manager, and. Yeah, my, my son still lives um, in the Midlands. Uh, I was driving up and down from Glasgow. And it's, it just kind of all clicked together. Uh, one of the hardest things I had to do was tell Eric Gardner I was leaving because he was really good to me. Um, so I joined Ernest Doe in January 2020. 
So you joined, uh, de- so 2020, January. Yep. Go- gosh, so <laughs> straight, straight uh, got your feet under the table and, and COVID hit, I guess. Yep. Yeah, new job, new house, new village. Yeah, COVID hit. But luckily enough, we still came into work every day. Um, I think the industry responded very well, actually, uh, in the yeah. So now you're um, your general service manager of Doe's. Um, I guess ultimate responsibility for what? 19 service departments? You've got 19 branches? Yeah, 19 branches. Um, I've got what was it, 22 service managers in there. And uh, there's 100 and, uh, 160 engineers. 180 engineers, 160 service vans. Quite some number. And um, presumably yours is a is a logistical role, really. Um, how how do you manage your day? Is uh, how do I manage my day? Good question. So in, in my role, I also look after our own transport department. So I have uh, Natalie; she's a transport manager. Um, but in that, they look after all the vehicles. For example, we've got 14 HGVs in the, on the road. In total, as a group, over 300 actual vehicles between cars and vans and all the other stuff. Um, so I'll get, I get involved with that. I look after uh, the warranty department is based next to my office here. Yeah, it's, it's really you know what the business needs are, working with the manufacturers a lot. What to do with dealer standards, making mm. sure we tick the boxes, and then the day to day looking at the company's work in progress, keeping an eye on the KPIs. You know, everyone's got the right training from service managers to engineers. So it could be, a, you know, a service manager's management training course. Next minute, it's electronics for apprentices or air conditioning or mm. all these different things in between. Not something you've got to go out and see customers that there's a bit of an issue here or there or go with the manufacturer. And that can be tractors, combines, diggers, lawnmowers, golf equipment, you name it. Even even viti- even grape growing uh, equipment yes. these days. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, how, e- how easy have you found the transition then, Ken, from uh, you were very much AGCO trained and, and uh, uh, worked with both Agco itself and its dealerships, obviously a, a, a sojourn at, uh, at Deutz, but um, is it easy to transition from one brand to the other? I suppose when you, when you start talking technical things, you always put it back to what you know. Um, so understanding that and coming out of the mindset of that is uh, one thing. But ultimately, they're all trying to do the same thing. That's that, that's that's the thing. We're all we're all trying to do the same thing. Trying to run profitable, you know, workshops, after sales businesses, all working with manufacturers. It's just the different. It's just the different ways um, people work that you've got to mould yourself around. Um, but ultimately. We're all trying to do the same thing, keep customers happy, get the right staff, make sure the staff are happy in what they do. You know, you, there's nothing better than seeing someone develop. Well, I, I wanted to really talk to you about um, your apprentice programme specifically. Do your apprentices, will they have spent uh, some time with you initially before you take them on? And, and, and what What's the best source for gaining apprentices? Because obviously they are your 
your trained employees of the future, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, there isn't a there isn't a you know a, a magic pot of apprentices out there, so to speak. Um, but anyone that does approach us, uh, and that can be from the age of fourteen, um, I will try and meet with them all because you just do not know who's going to turn up. Um, and just because they're not sixteen yet, don't dismiss them. Because you know, they, they, if they are contacting you looking at something now, you know, uh, to me it's all about the person and how they interact, and if they if, if they've got the the attitude's got to be right. If they're contacting you at fourteen, there's, there's something to be said there, and you, you you can always tell the difference between the ones that their parents have pushed them into rather than they've actually had an interest themselves and they they want to do this. So. We've got it on websites, uh, we go through the college, um, you know, various different means, mostly web-based now. Um, but the main thing is, if anyone is interested, well, I will try and see every one of them. You just... do, do they tend to come from uh, already a, a, a land-based backing, a farming um, background, or, or is it very mixed? What I tend to see at the moment, it, it is very mixed. But when you speak to some of them at the moment, it's generally because they've done something with their grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the grandfather's had a tractor, used to work in a farm or work for a dealership or something like that. Now, what comes in the next generation with those grandfathers that haven't done that, I do not know. But but right now, that's I do see quite a lot of that. I see some people that don't have anything to do with industry at all. I I really do base it on the individual, you know, they are get up and go, so to speak. If they show any sign of promise, we'll we'll um, we'll give them a go. We do have a every apprentice has a written test, just a bit of an aptitude test. Um, it's not. Is always... that a test that you've devised yourself? Yes. Uh-huh. And and do you need any sort of um, specific educational uh, qualifications, Ken? So they, to get into uh, Rittle College to do the CNH apprenticeship scheme, mm-hmm. uh, they do need to have a pass in maths and English. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, a level five and upwards. And um, we, we are now seeing the uh, introduction of T-levels. Do you think that's going to help at all to um, uncover uh, some potential uh, apprentices or potential employees? The jury's out on the T levels really at the moment. In some respects, I do think it's it's quite a good thing because when you're taking somebody on at the age of sixteen, you know they're, they're still young. Um, so um, you see a big difference. I mean, the the year we the, the year couple of years we had with COVID, we had some apprentices start, but we didn't send them to college that year. So it was the following year. And the difference in them in a year is quite incredible. And they go to college, a more mature person. Um, so the T levels, I think it's going to be it's going to be quite a good thing. Um, but it also depends whether your local college is uh, you know going to take up the T level program. Yeah. So we are dictated to slightly whether the local colleges are going to take it on um, or not, but. I think it's it could be a good opportunity because at the moment we've got 
uh, one college would do a level two land-based engineering. And part of that is they have to do 150 hours work experience. So basically it's a day a week for the terms of college. And so we've we've had quite good success where some of them come into the workshop, they work one day a week, and at the end of it, all of them apart from one, we've offered them a position. You know, and you get to see what they're like. Do they turn up every day on time? Are they, do they work neat? Are they clean, tidy? You know, do they, do they want to come back? Do they come and ask whether they can come in during the holidays? You know, you, so that's, uh, that side of it, which is a bit like what happens on the T-levels from what I understand, I think it works quite well. So you actually, you actually get to see them before you commit to employing them. It's important that um, you you, ex, uh, you expose them to your working, to your facilities, to your people and so on. Yes, yes. And, you know, they do have to be in work at 8 o'clock in the morning and they are there until 5 o'clock at night. So if they come straight out of school into that, it is a bit of a shock to the system for many of them. Of course. <laughs> You cover the whole range of uh, what is generally called land-based engineering uh, products. Um, is that a phrase which you would tend to use, or do people really understand that as, as what it really means, land-based engineering? It's a title the colleges use, and we've got it on our website as well. But if, if you, I, I did a couple of school open nights or career days uh, last year. And when you talked about last land-based engineering, none of them knew what you were talking about. Mm. Even the people that were into agriculture or something didn't really know what land-based engineering was. But once you're into the system at the college, and that's what the college course is told is called it. You know, you, you know what it is. But prior yeah. to that, I don't think it's a recognised thing. How do you, if you like, uh, sell? Uh, both a career in in land-based engineering and also a career with with Ernest Doe. I mean, I think historically you've been an apprentice. I I understand actually that Ernest Doe himself was an apprentice back in eighteen ninety eight, and uh, many of the management team within Doe have also been apprentices. So it's obviously a route um, to to greater things, shall we say? Is that um, is that something you use when you're talking to these these youngsters? Yeah, I mean, we, we've got lots of good examples within the company. Um, one of the main ones is um, uh, Graham Parker, our sales director. He started as an apprentice, for example. You know, many service managers now, they started as apprentices. And there's, there's various people throughout the company that have reached all sorts of different positions. I, I see the agricultural side of the opportunity as immense because there's not, there isn't another um, subject or uh, career that teaches you not only engineering, it teaches you hydraulics, it teaches you electrics. Uh, these days it's all to do, to do with telemetry, GPS, laptop diagnostics. Um, but that's just like that's the main track. There's such a combine. But then you've got all the implements that go in the back. And there's thousands of them that do thousands of different things. So they've got to learn all about these. For me, an agricultural, you can take an agricultural engineer and you can put them into any other engineering solution and they'll do it. Whereas if you take someone out at a car workshop, for example, they only fix cars. Mm. You know, that's 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 their limit. But in the agricultural world, 
we, you know, they'll be welding, they'll be fabricating, they'll be on a, on a lathe, they'll be fixing something, they'll be hitting, heating, and then they'll be on with the laptop diagnostics for the latest downloads. And, you know, so what, what you learn in an agricultural engineering apprenticeship is just immense. Yeah. So, so you don't necessarily uh, recruit, if you like, for your different divisions, whether it's agricultural construction, uh, turf care, garden machinery. They, they would the, the apprentices would um, would would find their level in each one of those um, th- those departments, those divisions. Ken. Well, it's it's different throughout our depots. So, if we if we look at head office here at Alting. We have a dedicated agricultural service manager. We have a dedicated horticultural service manager and a dedicated construction. So they've all got their own teams. Um, and they, they, they are specialists in what they do. Um, but when you go to out to the depots that don't have as big a team, you know, the, the ag- agricultural guy will be working on the construction equipment will also be working on horticulture. So they get an all-round perspective of what happens in a workshop, basically. Um, so um, here at Alting, we'll take someone on dedicated to ground care or construction, but at depot level, they've got to do everything. Do you, do you set out a, um, a career path for them? Um, it, presumably, as they bed into your uh, company and, and and get more experienced. Is that the stage when you would do it? Uh, kind of find the level initially. What usually happens is you get to understand what they're good at or what they're passionate about, and they, they, it's, it's almost a natural system where they steer themselves down a path. You know, someone can be really good at welding, fabrication, that area, so they'll specialise in that. Or so, some of them will be really good at the GPS systems. They might go on to, we've got a dedicated department just for uh, GPS and guidance and all this kind of stuff. Um, so they might go on to that. A number of them have a career in sales as well. So we we, we don't guide them as such, but we recognise their strengths. And, you know, if they want to give it a go, we'll support them. How would you kind of lay out the um, the benefits of working, well, both in this industry and, and for Ernesto uh, specifically? Is it about money? Is it about security? Um, what is it, do you think, that, that really would attract a, a, a good apprentice and somebody who's going to make their way up the ranks? Um, attract a good apprentice. That, I mean, it starts right at the beginning when you have the first conversation with them. You know, are they... And do they actually come in the door and ask to speak to the service manager or do they send a letter? You know, just how they interact initially. Um, and then when you do take them on, you know, if they show promise, they'll, they'll go far. And, you know, within Ernest Doe, there's, there's lots of areas that you can go and work. Well, we're lucky that we cover 19 branches, so we cover a big part of the country. Um, so we can, we can pull from different areas and there's lots of places they can go. They can go into sales, they can go into various different things if they want to. Or, you know, if they want to go into service management, we, we, we do run a, a, a program to support the next generation of service managers. And wherever, wherever they can go, we'll, we'll take them. It's, um, 
and the opportunities within the company, yeah, it's 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 immense. I mean, I I worked for a smaller dealership and worked for a bigger dealership. What you can do, where you can go, it's yeah, it's down to you or the individual a lot about what they get out of it. And as as we said, you know, sales director Graham Parker started as an apprentice and you know sales director yeah. of the company. And what what about diversity? Um, you, you, I know you have some female technicians. I don't know how many you've got on your staff, but um, are, are you finding that any um, added uh, interest from either females or indeed uh, Ken from uh, older? Uh, potential uh, employees who may even take an apprenticeship. Of course, uh, I'm thinking of um, you know m- maybe ex forces and so on. Yeah, I mean the, the, the ex forces thing. We, we actually do have quite a number of people now ex forces, um, so that is yeah, it's an area. And the good thing about the forces thing, if they're coming out of the forces, um, they will let them come and work for a week for a week's work experience. Uh, they let them out. And they can come and work with us for a week. We've had them in the, in the workshops. We've had them in different departments. Um, but bear in mind, our apprenticeship scheme is not just engineering. We do have a parts department. Mm. Uh, we've got an HR apprentice, account apprentices, uh, marketing. So it's not it's not just about the engineering side. You know, it's the all aspects of the business. Um, but the yeah, forces is one area, um, and. You know, when it comes, we we do have a couple of ladies in the in the workshops. Across the depot, we've got a service manager, Devin, at a brain tree depot. So yeah, we it's it's got to be the right person for a job, and um, that's 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 the real crux of the matter. I think you sort of kind of answered it at the beginning about a possible trial period with with the company um, before they uh, make up their mind or indeed before you make up your mind, of course. Yeah, where we can, we do that. Yeah, you know, the forces is one area, the uh, level two uh, land-based engineering students, that's, that's a really good one. Um, and, yeah, sometimes we'll ask some people uh, come in on a Saturday morning and, you know, if it's an engineer, we might set them some tasks, try and find some faults in a, you know, a tractor or a forklift or something, just a Saturday morning, just to, I, I suppose it's just to kind of reassure ourselves that you, you obviously quite like this person, you think they'll fit, but you just need to see them in a kind of practical hands-on position just to, you know, tick that final box. Um, do, do I know you've got a, a strong apprenticeship program, as, as you said. Um, is there a specific quota of apprentices that you can take on um, in a, in a year? Um, no, not really. Uh, last year we we did fourteen, and this year we are we're limited to spaces at the college. So I think we're going to be eight this year, um, along with uh, the apprentices that are already running. Um, so we'll have about uh, 24 apprentices, and we've already got um, three signed up for next year. Indeed. Yeah. Is there any dropout? Do you have um, any dropout or many dropout? Um, so far at the moment, in the past few years, we're doing okay, so nothing moment. Um, whether that happens, and you know, in my past experience, I have seen them drop out before. Um, but again... 
it comes down to your initial discussions with them, what do they really want, their, their attitude to whether they want the job or are their parents just pushing them into it because they have to get something. You just, you know, you just have to, you just understand it a bit more. I hate to say it with time and experience. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And and um, Ken, is there any sort of uh, formal or, or indeed informal uh, mentoring um, within the company of, of of youngsters, particularly, um, or do they? Does that come from the people that they, the technicians that they work with, or the colleagues that they work with? So I, ideally, we'll have an apprentice that will be assigned to an engineer. Each each step will work slightly different because it really depends on the amount of staff that they've got. Um, so. Um, here at Alting, for example, an apprentice will work with the one of the engineers and they might spend six or nine months with them and then they'll swap engineer because everyone has more experience in different areas. So it just gives them a good grounding. Um, and other depots, they'll be with them the whole year. They'll have a mentor, but the service managers are there to help. And, you know, I keep a pretty close eye on them as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and And how are you finding the general recruitment uh, position at the moment is it is it is it getting more difficult? Has it got more difficult, Ken? I actually think there's a bit more awareness around about an apprenticeship at the moment. So the past couple of years have been really surprised. We've done quite well, um, and we've you know as I said before, if someone shows promise at fourteen, I mm. don't give them an offer on a contract at the age of fourteen. Mm. You know, I know some people won't speak to them again until they're sixteen. But, you know, they can come in through school, they can do work experience. Um, so it gives you a bit of an insight to who they are. Is that because they, they know of um, the industry, the tractors, the uh, turf machinery, the construction machinery, or, or, or is it very much based on uh, the reputation of Ernest Doe itself, which obviously is very strong, uh, particularly in your regions? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's there is a there is a pool of uh, or sorry a draw towards Ernest Doe because it is certainly in the Essex uh, area. As you go further afield, um, uh, there still is, but it's not just as strong. So it's yeah, and the, the people itself, some of the engineers now, apprentices, they come from all backgrounds. It's mm. it's quite incredible. Some will have some sort of land based experience you know as i said with a grandfather or something like that but others will actually they, they come out the blue and they just show a bit of promise and you think oh, they could be quite good and they'll you know they could have absolutely nothing to do with agricultural ground care they're just kind of mechanically minded they enjoy doing something you know it's quite amazing what some some kids do with themselves or with their dad in a shed somewhere at the end of the day, does it come down to attitude? Um, their attitude? Yeah, it's it's pretty much attitude. You can get around a lot of things as long as there the attitudes there. Yeah, it's the, the the ones that win at the end of the day, and I've seen it not just Ernest Doe across the board. It's it's the ones who you know turn up on time. You know they you pride themselves in how they look. Um, some of the hairstyles are a bit odd, but there we go. <laughs> Uh, uh, but um, yeah, they turn up in time. They, they, they take a pride in what they do, and they want to do a good job. You know, they're respectful to the people that are trying to train them. 
and you, you just you just get to know that which ones are going to be the ones that are going to make it. Great. Well, look, Ken, many thanks. It's um, a very quick trawl through the uh, through the through the business. And um, uh, lastly, how would you how would you personally sell? A career in land-based engineering in in all its um, gamuts and in in all its divisions. In all its divisions, it's the land-based engineering will teach you more than you'll ever learn doing anything else when it comes to an engineering perspective. Um, it really will set you up for life in lots of different ways. And you know, here at Ernesto, what what do we do to support them? They get a toolbox now when they start with some tools in it. You know, with the costs of everything these days are high, and as an apprentice, if you don't have anything, at least we give them a bit of a start. They get their overalls, they get everything they need. You know, they don't have to worry about anything. So it doesn't matter what background they come from, they all get exactly the same, and they all get a package to start. You know, and <clears throat> and at the door show this year, our apprentices came for a bit of a photo shoot, um, and they had some other people from the college with them. They showed them what they get to start, and you know there was a definite bit of jealousy there at one point. <laughs> so, but but they're all proud of it. They like that. I, I, I'm sure. And does it help, presumably, um, the, the family firm, the family firm culture? Is that a is that a hook? Is that an advantage? Oh, absolutely. Yes, it is. It's a very personal business. Not not only the people within the business, but with our customers as well. It's all about relationships. If you don't have those relationships, you know, it's, you've not been here for 125 years for no reason. No. And yeah, the Doe family are good. They're here every day. And yeah, you can speak to them at any time. Well, look, Ken, I really enjoyed that. Thank you ever so much. And um, it, it's been most interesting. So thank you very much for your time. And I, I wish you be- all the best for the, for the coming season. Thank you very much. Ken's own story is a testament to the career opportunities that lie within land-based engineering. It is clear that Ernesto, like many other dealers, offers exciting opportunities for career advancement. And as he says, no other industry provides such a wide range of skill sets. In the next episode, I will be talking to those behind the new careers initiative, We Are Land-Based Engineering. So I'm Chris Biddle, thank you for joining me, and this is Inside AgriTurf.